And good afternoon, everybody. That is for the great Christopher Mad Dog Russo, who turned 63 years of age today. Friend of mine and a good friend of the program as we welcome you to another episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours surely, Jai Shields, here on this October 18th day on a Tuesday, the year 2022 jam-packed show for you here today. Uh, of course, we got a tremendous weekend of sports to recap with the Phillies advancing to the NLCS, which begins tonight, taking on the Padres, who uh, f- who finally conquered their nemesis in the in the biggest series that you possibly uh, could play outside of the NLCS and beating the Dodgers over the weekend. I got plenty to say about the Dodgers getting bounced, plenty to say. Uh, we're not playing to say, but also re- uh, preview the NLCS, which begins Tuesday night between best of seven series. First team to win four games uh, is the National League champion and advances to the World Series. Preview, Phillies, Padres, uh, the Astros taking care of the Mariners in 18 innings. Alabama upsetting, or excuse me, Tennessee upsetting Alabama on Saturday. We'll get into that and got a little bit of college football for a change. Uh, we also got the Week 6 recap in the NFL. Ravens blowing another uh, double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. What else is new? Jets upsetting the Packers. TB12 and the Bucks and the issues with them. Bengals finally bounced back in a homecoming game for Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Buffalo Bills are the best team in the AFC, re- beating Kansas City in in Kansas City for the second straight October in a row. The Eagles remain undefeated, and Cooper Rush is now ter- has finally turned back into a pumpkin with Dak Prescott uh, soon to uh, rejoin the uh, the reign or for him to uh, retake the reins of QB one of the Dallas Cowboys. And another boring, disgusting, unwatchable Broncos debacle on uh, Monday Night Football, and we also got the 2022-2023 NBA season tipping off with the only two games on TNT, but the season tips off nevertheless. Uh, you know, I don't, we can, I listen, you guys have heard me discuss ad infinitum how much I can't stand the fact that, that the season tips off in the middle of October, uh, but anyway, it's not here nor there, I don't run the league, league begins, uh, give you a little bit of my thoughts, uh, give you my thoughts heading into the new season. And, of course, my uh, NBA uh, Finals prediction. But where we will begin uh, with, uh, and where we, will, where we will begin here on this show is just the tremendous Saturday 
uh, a tremendous Saturday it, it was in, in sports between the two NLDS games between the Phillies and the Braves, which was which was the worst games of the of the of the day. But between the Phillies and the Braves, uh, and then of course you had uh, the Mariners and the Astros uh, in game in game three. And then of course, or and then of course you had uh, Tennessee versus uh, Tennessee and Alabama going on, uh, which was a highly anticipated game going in, and it surely did live up to its hype down in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, on uh, on Saturday. As did Penn State and Michigan, but Michigan beat the brakes off of Penn State. Uh, James Franklin, I mean, it's the same it's the same thing every single year with him and his very underwhelming uh, Penn State uh, football program. Uh, but the three things in Saturday, but the three games in sports. Uh, that took place on Saturday. I mean, I I, I will pu- I put it to you like this. I got off of uh, work on Saturday afternoon at one o'clock, maybe one thirty. I got uh one thirty. I got home a quarter to two that afternoon. And I made it my business when I do, because Saturday in my household is typically the day I spend the you know the good part of that afternoon, uh, making sure the house is clean, you know, make sure bathrooms clean, clean the floor, vacuum, you know, house chores. Every Saturday house chores, house chores. Everybody does them, right? Well, I made it my business when I got home. To and typically in Saturday, you know, if it was a Saturday in August or in July, I take my time, you know, and make sure. And if all my chores are done by five, six o'clock in the evening, you know, but if it's done at my own pace and it's done, if it's five forty-five and they're done, you know what? So be it. But Saturday, I make sure I wasn't wasn't gonna be fooling around. wasn't you know getting trapped into wormholes in my phone, looking at my phone ad infinitum, or lying across my bed, or lying across my lying across the couch. Uh, you know, fought farting around, wasting time because you know standing up, saying how can I help you? What can I do for you at Starbucks ad infinitum and. And giving people food and coffee left and right, it, it can wear you out emotion. It can wear you out mentally. So you know you kind of want to like just take a blow and like reset button. But I made sure I got in the house, made sure everything was taken care of. So by three, so by three thirty four o'clock, I was I was gonna be ready to go, sit down and watch and watch everything that happened in sports. And boy, and I made sure in the fit in the Phillies game was going on. While I was uh, while I was uh, cleaning, I had the Phillies get Phillies and Braves going Braves game on on the TV, and I had Penn State and Michigan on my iPad. Once Penn once Michigan was starting to run away with Penn State, shut the iPad off, save the battery for it, and then uh, and then was a uh, clued in excuse me glued into Phillies and the Braves as the Phillies advanced to the NLCS for the first time. Since uh tw- since two thousand and ten, uh in an eighth in an eight three effort. I mean, it's tr- just a tremendous uh day for them. Uh, Hoskins two, Reese Hoskins two five, Real Muto two five, Bryce Harper two for five, uh Marsh 
Bryce Marsh hit the home run off of uh, Charlie Morton in the second inning with two on, one out, which really put the which puts the which put the Braves behind the eight ball, essentially you know right from the right from the opening pitch they were already down a three nothing hole, uh, and the Braves you know fought back, but again the point that I've made all postseason long the point with empty calories, uh, and the empty calories being the uh, empty home runs you know down three nothing. In these playoff games where where scoring runs comes at a premium and good pitching stops good hitting and the air is crisp and and at least in the mid Atlantic and at least from the southeast part of the United States up to the mid Atlantic up to mid Atlantic which is which is which Philadelphia kind of falls into that mid Atlantic category Philly you know Philly Philly Baltimore DC. You know that the mid Atlantic area of the country. You know the it's where where they are where those three cities are notorious cities that are that are all three of them are on the water. All three of those cities are notorious for you know with the having having hot well not of course obviously hot but having the humid summers uh, and the and in October you know the humidity goes away the ball doesn't carry as far. So and the Braves, you know, did their best try to come back, but the empty calories, the the empty calories, the empty home runs down three nothing. You know, solo homers done do you a solo in a playoff game where you're down three runs or more. A solo home run, and, and when especially when the Phillies were hitting the ball all series long, a, a solo home run does the starting does whoever's on the mound as good as good as an out because they because they don't have a runner on base. You don't have to worry because you don't have to worry about a. It's the next batter. You don't have to worry about anybody on base holding the runner. A threat of a, a threat of a steal, wild pitch, pass ball. So so basically they're they're counterproductive. Down and a three nothing hole. Arcia hits one to make it three one Philadelphia. And then bottom of the third inning, here comes J T Realmuto inside the park home run, taking advantage of what was just an awful awful awful. Series in the outfield for the Atlanta Braves. I mean, my, for Ronald Acuna Jr., I mean, uh, it was disgusting defense in the outfield on a part of the Atlanta Braves. They get to run right back. All of a sudden, they're up four nothing. Four, excuse me, up three runs again. Uh, this time, three one. Olsen, another empty calorie home run makes it four two. Uh, Philadelphia, and then they have a huge bottom of the sixth, bottom of the sixth inning to pull away uh, seven to two, and that's all she wrote. And you know, Travis Darno, another empty calorie, down four runs. It's a meaningless solo home run, which meant nothing. And then here comes Bryce Harper, bottom of the eighth inning, as the uh, coup de grace to the, any, as the coup de grace to the 2022 Atlanta Braves season hits a solo home run to put the game on ice. Uh, you know, with the Atlanta Braves, they won over a hundred games, won their division. It's a bad loss. They had not, they had not hit at all in this series. Um, you know, outside of getting a couple of nice uh, knocks in Game Two to, uh, to you know, to take Game Two in a pitcher's duel. You know, to, and it turns out it's Philadelphia should have been one of those teams I should have included with the Toronto Blue Jays that can hit their way to a championship, because they if because they, even if they don't go to the World Series, they sure as hell hit the Atlanta Braves uh, out of the postseason. Their bats went cold. Uh, you go ahead and you, and you and you look at the box score they had. You go ahead and you look at the box score they had. Three runs on four hits. All three runs via the home run. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. struck out three times. Swanson struck out twice. Olsen struck out twice. Travis Darno struck out twice. Wilson Contreras 
uh, who's the DH in game, uh, who's the DH in game four, struck out twice. I mean, they, uh, I mean, they could not muster up any offense. Uh, Dansby Swanson, 125 in his series. Uh, it's just not, not good enough. Not good enough. 0 for 4 afternoon for Ronald Acuna Jr. It's just not not good enough. Then take then they struck out 15 times as a team. Did not get walked not one time and only got four hits. Only only the only the four hits and three out of the four hits were home runs. So Braves couldn't hit. Phillies could. That basically when it come what it comes that what it what it ultimately comes down to. They scored eight runs. On Saturday in Game Four, they scored nine runs. On Friday in Game Three, in Game t- in Game uh, in Game Number One, they scored seven. So seven runs, nine runs, and eight runs. The only one off night they had was in their was in their Game Two loss where they got shut out. Outside of that, I mean. I'll <laughs> take away the shutout. The lowest amount of points they scored in the series was seven. If you can't hit and keep up with that, if you're Atlanta, and your pitching was supposed to be big, to, you're not gonna you're not gonna last much long in the postseason. This is all there's to it. As the Phillies advance to the uh, American League Championship Series, which begins tonight at Petco Park, which we'll get to later in the sh- which we'll get to later in the show. Uh, get another game to switch sports here for a quick second, then we'll end this segment with the baseball. And I want to sound off on the Dodgers. Uh, sound off on the Dodgers right quick, uh, and then we'll get to the NFL and so and to some other things. Uh, how about that Alabama and Tennessee game on Saturday? How about the how about the Tennessee Volunteers taking care of business against the Alabama Crimson Tide? 52-49, and an absolute classic of a football game. You could argue the best football game, college and NFL combined, of the of the season thus far. Certainly the best college football game of the season. Uh, just a couple of takeaways I took from I took from the game as well. First off, we'll do Tennessee first. How about how about Jalen Hyatt? I mean, you want to talk about a performance. He targeted eight times, six receptions, 207 receiving yards, caught five touchdown passes, and averaged 34 yards, 34 and a half yards a catch. I mean, you want to talk about a sensational performance from him. Just absolutely kicked ass and take and took names of that Alab- of that Alabama secondary. His quarter his uh his quarterback uh, Hendon Hooker, sensational afternoon for him, 21 of 30, uh, 385 passing yards, five touchdown passes, one interception, only got sacked one time. Tennessee offensively, uh, Tennessee offensively, uh, averaged eight yards a play, had a, t- had a total, had 567 total yards of offense on 70 plays. Uh, red zone efficiency, they were four for four. Goal to go, goal to go uh, efficiency, they were perfect two for two, uh, and uh, and scored seven touchdowns in the seven touchdowns in the game, and just an absolutely sensational offensive job uh, on their part. 
Um, the thing that you the thing that you wouldn't like about if you're the thing that you wouldn't like about if you're Tennessee, they were they were out to a uh, they were out to a twenty eight to ten lead and allowed Alabama and allowed Alabama on two out of their three uh, offensive drives afterwards to come back and tie the game at twenty eight twenty eight early third quarter. They were up. 28-10 with 11.41 to go in the second quarter. Uh, it looked like it's about to be a runaway, and they allowed Bryce Young and the uh, Alabama offense 10 plays, 84 yards to march down the field and score a touchdown to make it 28-17 up by 11. Uh, Will Real Richard, Richard, whatever his name is, uh, goes in next Alabama possession 28-20, kicks a field goal, brings them within a touchdown, two-point conversion. Then three plays, 59 yards third quarter 11 11 to go they march right down they marched down the field only took three plays to do it get the touchdown and then they allowed a two-point conversion to tie the game up i mean if you're tennessee if you're tennessee which held alabama to only to only one touchdown in the first half that's that's un, that's unacceptable that 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 tennis, Tennessee's defense did a bad job. That's the one thing. If you were to, if you if you were to say, yeah, pick one thing from Alabama's performance that that you couldn't that you couldn't stand. That the fact that their defense fell asleep and was and sat and was content with the twenty with the uh, with the twenty eight to uh, with the uh, twenty eight to they had a twenty one seven lead and then a twenty eight ten lead. And they let it, and they let it uh, wash right down the drain. So the fact that defense allowed Alabama to get back into the game, I don't like. I also don't like that they were very sloppy in the second half. I also do not like the fact, uh, I, I, you know, the the scoop, the scoop and score, which brought Alabama, which which uh, which had, which gave Alabama the lead for the first time all afternoon, forty nine forty two. He get Hooker six yard sack. Fumbles the football recovered uh, by Turner at the 11 yard line and takes it the, and takes it the distance to go up uh, to give Alabama, like I said, the affirmation first lead of the afternoon, 49-42. So they, so I did not like that. Uh, so they, and it's got to do a better job protecting the football in that situation. And the uh, Tennessee defense waxed, allowing Alabama to creep back into a game and to essentially. Uh, and not the first lead in the afternoon. I apologize. Secondly, the afternoon because they took the lead on their touchdown drive in the third quarter. Twelfth plays, eighty yards, uh, thirty-five, thirty-four Alabama. So I uh, correct myself on that. But they very sloppy in the second half. Defense fell asleep. Allowed Bryce Young to get hot, and of course uh, they get they when you you know the you they cannot afford to lose it. They got very fortunate, very lucky. But you know the turn that that could have been a Huge, huge turning point in the game. Uh, the strip sack, fumble, scoop and score, which uh, which gifted Alabama a uh, free seven points. Thing about Alabama that I, that you that I do not like under any circumstances uh, is the fact that uh, I do not like the idea of them throwing the ball on third and ten late in the fourth late in the fourth quarter why why risk that opportunity if bill o'brien the offensive coordinator saving head coach why why throw the ball on third and 10 when you're already in field goal range the game is tied worse you set, you you play for the overtime best case scenario you play it safe protect the football you know and uh, protect the football and then kick and then kick your field goal 
throwing the ball on third throwing the ball on third and ten risking risking an interception in that situation I don't understand as well uh, and and stopping the clock as well when when Tennessee's done nothing but going up and down the going up and down the field I mean I mean they've I mean look at the look at the amount of possessions that I, that Tennessee had in scoring a touchdown they had the ball two minutes five seconds to score the first touchdown in the game Second touchdown of the game and only took them 80 seconds. Their third touchdown of the game took them 62 seconds. Uh, their their uh, their what? Their one, two, three, four. Their four. Their their one, two, three, four. Uh, their fourth touchdown of the game took them 61 seconds. Fifth touchdown of the game took them 55 seconds. Their sixth took their sixth touchdown took them 50. Their uh, I mean, they six. They had six touchdowns. The only t the only drive that that took significant amount of time was their was their touchdown drive to tie the game at forty nine apiece, in which they drive four minutes twenty three seconds. The rest of their touchdown drives throughout the game, they were scoring fast. Their touchdown to make it forty two thirty five to take the lead right back at the beginning of the fourth quarter only took them fifty. Their touchdown to to uh, to take the lead after a 28-28 tie took them 55 seconds. Their touchdown to make it 20 to go up 28-10 took them a, took them a 61 seconds. To go up 21-7 uh, took them a minute and two seconds. You do the math, 62 seconds. The touchdown before that took it took uh, one it took 120. I mean, they were scoring quick. And if you're Alabama, if you're saving that situation, you cannot allow them under any circumstances. I not allow them enough time to get the ball back, drive down the field to at least get in the field goal range, or have Hyatt, you know, run a deep right after he's cooked your it's cooked your secondary all afternoon, especially on the touchdown that he had where he didn't have a safety back deep to uh, to tie the to uh, to tie the game up at a four, at forty nine forty nine apiece. I mean, it's just—it's just bad football. Bad football. So I don't understand why they threw the ball. You run the ball. You make Tennessee use their time. I—I I do not understand that whatsoever. And then—and then if you're going to in that situation, you know, can you can you put together a couple of plays offensively, you know, in written to give your kicker a better chance. Run the ball. They're playing pass. You might get lucky, and either you burst one for a tough. You just don't know. But they, you know, they were throwing the ball third ten. Couldn't move the ball on that drive, and they had to settle. And they had and they had to have their kicker Will Richard uh, kick a fifty yard field goal, which he missed, which gave Tennessee a chance with the shorter field. So a bad sequence by Alabama. Uh, again, Hyatt cooked them all afternoon. No, sa they, their safeties and their corners were taken to the cleaner. Had no safety back deep. Piss poor defensive coverage on a touchdown he scored to make it the tie the game up at forty nine apiece late in the third. Excuse me, late in the fourth quarter. Alabama, Tennessee was scoring where they were scoring in huge chunk plays and scoring quick, scoring fast. Uh, and then Tennessee defensively, they got sloppy in the second half. Uh, this, they, uh, they, that could have been a huge turning point in the game 
uh, allowing a vet, allowing the uh, the, the scooping score seven, with uh, 7.49 to go, which gave Alabama the initial 49-42 uh, lead, which we thought was going to be the difference maker in the game. And also, uh, they not to mention Alabama could not get off the field on 4th and 5 late. Which cost which cost them mightily. They had a pass interference play penalty, which leads me to my, to my to my other point, and that's the problem about Alabama. They had a they had a crap ton of penalties in a game. They were very fortunate to win against uh, Texas uh, against Texas earlier this season, and then on and then on a Saturday, seventeen penalties for one hundred and thirty yards. I mean that that is I mean you cannot win. Any football games with the penalties, 17 penalties for a total of 130 yards. You're, you're that that that's 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 unacceptable. And from a Nick Saban coach football team, that 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 that's that's very that's very troubling. So Alabama's got to get it cleaned up, or else they or else they may be for the first time. And no, I don't expect it to. It's only one loss, and it is Alabama. I tell you what, Alabama's not my hot my hot pick this season, twenty eight to uh, to uh, make it through that final four and win another national championship game. Along with the fact that you know it's just it's just a different feel. A lot of penalties, undisciplined. They're you know they're off. You know their 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 defense is not as they're you know when they had a bad defensive afternoon. On us on a, on Saturday and many times this season, their offense has been very anemic. Just a different feel about this Alabama team. But that was a thrilling and exciting football game uh, to you know upset uh, Alabama uh, loses or excuse me Tennessee beats Alabama for the first time since two thousand and for the first time since two thousand and six. Major upset. They had not beat them in a long time. Finally, they won it. Uh, they beat them. By the way, 52 points. That's the fourth most points allowed in the history of the Alabama Crimson Tide football program. Most since you have to go all the way back to 1907 when they gave up 54 points to Suwanee. Su- Su- you heard that, right? But what a football game that was! I mean, I was, I mean, I'm standing there in my workout clothes, about the workout, watching the watching the game, flipping back and forth between that and Astros and Mariners, two games that were on that were uh, that were approaching their peak of high of high level drama late in both games. I mean, you, that is a, that's that's chef's kiss as a sports fan. I mean that 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 those two with intense moments. You got a you got a rivalry game in college. You got a rivalry game in college football, uh, going on on one end, and then you also got a playoff. You also got a play, uh, an elimination playoff game going on on the other end, and and the amount of tension that was that was in both of those two games going on at the same time. It's been flipping back and forth between both. It's just you couldn't ask for much more of a, uh, as a as a sports fan, and then also transitioning to the uh, to that game between the Astros and the Mariners. What a classic of a baseball game it initially was. Emphasis on initially, and look, I understand, and I can I can appreciate pitchers duels with the best of them. I can appreciate I I can I can appreciate pitchers duels. I can appreciate one nothing games, two one games, 
nothing, nothing, scoreless ties late in the game. I can appreciate that. As a and I and and listen, baseball's problem is that it needs more offense and it needs more balls in play. But I can appreciate that. Three two pitchers duel, two one pitchers duel, one nothing, two zero pitchers duel. I I can I can appreciate that. But what and and, and I can, but the thing that we got to check as us as baseball fans is that just because it's nothing nothing and it's a playoff game is going extra innings doesn't necessarily make it to be a good game, okay? When it's strikeout after strikeout after strikeout, piss poor at bat after piss poor at bat after piss poor at bat, eventually you have to start. You have to stop and ask yourselves: Is it really great pitching or is it piss poor hitting? Because from what I saw for eighteen, for not the full eighteen innings, but for six to Nine of the eight of the latter eighteen innings was piss poor hitting, and especially with the Seattle and with Seattle, obviously because they lost. Let me listen. They've had a tremendous season. They've had a successful season. First playoff appearance in twenty one years. They won a playoff series. The comeback victory, the comeback game two victory against uh, against against the Blue Jays in Toronto a week or so ago. They uh, they they got a home, they are host they hosted a playoff game for the first time in twenty one years. And the, and Julio Rodriguez is going to be a superstar for this team and in this league for years to come. And this will not be the last time. We see the Seattle Mariners uh, playing uh, pat, playing October baseball past game 162. Next sentence. Th- again, their their hitting performance, a lack thereof, in Saturday night in Saturday afternoon into Saturday night's game was absolutely disgusting, unwatchable, and pathetic to watch from a baseball fan's perspective. I don't understand what the hitting philosophy, and it's not just with the manners, it's the problem with the sport in general. I do not understand the philosophy of swinging for the fences every single time you get up to bat. So let me get this straight. If you if you couldn't hit a home run in innings one through nine, what the hell makes you, makes you think that you can that you can step up to the plate with that same approach, that same mentality in your fit in your fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh at bat of the game in the 13th, the 15th, the 16th, the 18th inning and expect and and and, and expect to get the result that you wanted. What 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 changed between at bat number 3 versus at bat number 6? At bat number 2 versus at bat number 7. What 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 changed? What changed? I don't understand the philosophy of just standing. I mean, there was just some god-awful embarrassing at-bets in the extra innings of that game on Saturday. It was, I mean, again, it got to a point where it became less about the edginess and the greatness of the of the scoreless-type pitchers duel into a into essentially watching the Denver Broncos offense. And you know what it was? It You know what it was? It went. It, it, it was like it was like I was watching the baseball version of Broncos versus Colts. Once that game got at, once that game got into the eleventh, twelfth inning, 
it went from appreciating the greatness of the great starting pitcher, the great bullpen, the edge of your seat, runners on the corners, runners on first and second, pitchers getting out of getting out of uh, jams unscathed with the game still tied, with the game still scoreless, dead even at 0-0. It went from that to us sitting back watching it going, can somebody please score one lousy freaking run? Can I see some 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 substance of offense here because that's what the game of if you're looking at it objectively that's what the game became it became to oh my goodness what a what a what a what a thrilling uh nail-biting pitcher's duel to for the love of god can somebody get one lousy run home because it it became an it became it became monotonous and it became egregious to watch i'm sorry the, the the just the piss poor at bats players swinging at balls down at their shins down at their shoe tops like they're golfing at, like they're like like they're out at like they're out at Augusta National you know uh, swinging a swinging a uh, swinging a wedge trying to get the ball out trying to get their ball out the sand trap and hit it onto the fairway evenly I mean it's like what are we doing we're, we're golfing at pitches at our shoes. We're swinging at pitches that are nowhere near close to being strikes. The plate discipline is terrible. And every single time we get a ball to hit that's in our warehouse, instead of making even solid barreling it up contact on a ball, making full contact barreling it up and, and, and driving it, instead... We want to head on. We want to get under the ball with the stupid launch angle nonsense. Try to elevate the ball and hit it up ninety thousand feet feet in the air for for billion pop ups, pop up first base side, pop up short, shallow right field, shallow uh, left field, pop up on the, on the third base side and foul territory, fly out and left, fly out and right, fly. There's a million pop ups and fly outs, a million of them. They finally get a good pitch to hit instead of just making solid contact and driving the ball so they can, you know, get on base and try to build a rally and try to get runners home. Instead, we got to try to play hero ball and try to turn the game on its ear or, in the Manners' case, win it with one swing. I mean, it's, it's hard to fathom that in 18 innings of baseball, 18 innings, that's two full games worth of innings played into one baseball game. And the Seattle Mariners can only muster up seven hits and zero runs. And 18 innings of baseball. That's the equivalent in a two-game stretch only getting three hits in one game and four hits in the next. And getting shut out in both of them. That, I'm sorry, they had a great season, give service, all of them tremendous credit. But that's the, But after the remarkable season that you had, the way that you beat the big bad Toronto Blue Jays on the road, that's the way you show up and you treat your fans that's waited 21 years to watch you play a home game. That's, the, that's, the, that's how y'all respond. Your first home playoff game, well, for the franchise. But that's the way y'all respond. Your first playoff game for the franchise in 21 years and for you guys in this little 
window that you guys that that's that's opened up on you. That's 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 I don't, I understand great season, no condemnation. Nobody deserves to be fired, but you, just because they had a great season and everything is still peaches and cream for this for this team and everyone that that was a part of this team's success doesn't excuse the fact that they embarrassed themselves on Saturday on Saturday afternoon. I mean, they're, they're off, their offense didn't just show up. Piss poor at bats. I mean, they as a team, 0 of 8 with runners in scoring position, left 10 guys on base. And instead of trying to play small ball, see if they can bunt some guys over, hit against the shift, bunt against the shift, we're swinging for the fences left and right. And we wonder why we strike out 22 times. And only took three walks. And two full games, inning of two full uh, of uh, of eighteen innings, two games innings worth of baseball. You only walk three times and you struck out twenty two. And an elimination home game, and you only recorded seven hits. Can't happen. Can not happen. But what a weekend it was, though. One that I won't forget. And, you, and those of us that were fortunate enough to, you know, have a Saturday afternoon to ourselves and watch it, uh, we won't forget for the, for the foreseeable future as well. We take a break. I will sound off on the uh, Houston, on the Houston Nationals, the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers getting bounced from their National League Division Series. This is the I'm Telling Can Tell You podcast. Another element from Saturday in sports, as we welcome you back to the Amatelicatelius podcast, was uh, the San Diego Padres eliminated their arch nemesis, Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, avoiding a Game 5 back at Dodger Stadium, which would have been played on Sunday, uh, by the final score of 5-2-3, as the Los Angeles Dodgers, 111 wins in all, running away with the National League uh, Western Division title and all do not even play in the league championship series, let alone uh, make it back to the World Series, which uh, which they had made a history of doing, making it, of course, in back to back years in 17 and 18 and in 2020 against the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, the, the problem that I have with the Dodgers. Is it it is is with Dave Roberts, and it's really with the whole attitude with this team. I for one never all season long was that high on the Los Angeles Dodgers for many reasons. 
One I th- one I thought, and them losing to the Padres only proves only proves I was right on this that they are an that they are an overrated baseball team. They're st- they ha- their starting pitching is not that good. Clayton Kershaw, as we well know, is very pedestrian lifetime in the postseason. They didn't. They did not have Walker Bueller for the majority of the season. It was Julio Arias, and it was and then it was a bunch of I type of guys. Their bullpen was not great. Hell, all they, all you need to know with the Dodgers is that they kept their closer Craig Kimbrell intentionally, intentionally off the NLDS roster. They kept him intentionally off the roster and they have players on the team that, you know, that's that are up in the air, you know, lick your finger and see what way the wind blows in terms of their offensive production. See Cody Bellinger, Joey Gallo, who they who which was a waste of an accusation accusation was even on a postseason roster. So it's like this is and not to mention they beat up on the garbage. I understand two teams made the postseason out the West and three of them finished with a five hundred record or better if you include the eighty one and eighty one San Francisco Giants. But they beat up on the garbage. Garbage. That was not only International League West, a division which they which they ran away with. They also played in a compared to the American League, a less competitive National League. Granted, the National League had three teams that won over a hundred games. The American League did not, but it was clearly the it was clearly a matter of the haves and the have-nots. You go ahead and you look at the teams that are in the National League and what that the Dodgers played this that the Dodgers played this season. I'm talking about the Nationals. I'm talking about the Marlins. I'm talking Cubs. I'm talking Reds. The Pirates. The Diamondbacks. The Rockies. Versus teams in the American League such as the Yankees, such as. Uh, such as the Yankees, such as Cleveland, such as Houston, they're going up against the Mariners, the White Sox, the 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 Mariners, the White Sox, the Orioles, the Rays, the the Blue the Blue Jays. Much more competitive, even though the American League only had one team went over a hundred games. It was a much more competitive and a gauntlet of an America of the Ameri- within the American League that we've seen in years past. What am I trying to say? The teams that made the postseason were battle tested. They were they're battle ready. Going up against big time teams in a regular season. Yankees having to bump heads with the with the Rays and the Blue Jays having to fight tooth and nail to win to win uh to win regular season series on the road and at Yankee Stadium against those two teams. Hell, Baltimore, my Orioles gave the Yankees fits in certain games throughout the period of the regular season. The the Guardians, the White Sox, Houston. Seattle, much more competitive league than the National League.
And that matters. Playing in a division in which you won your division by 22 games, that matters. That matters. Teams like the Yankees, Tampa, Toronto, Cleveland, Seattle, they were playing meaningful, had-to-have regular season games. Not just in early, in the few days that the regular season leaked into October. No, no, no. I'm not talking about September. No, I'm talking. I'm talking August. They they're playing meaningful game. They're playing games that mean something in terms of playoff seating in August, in July, in late July, in in early, all throughout the month of September. When did the Dodgers? play a regular season game of immense consequence. They ran away they 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 ran they how they even ran away with best record. The the Braves won 100 the Braves and the Mets won 101 games. Dodgers won 111. They even ran away with the number 1 seed. They won that by 10 games. They won the division by two dozen games. When did they play a regular season game of immense consequence? A, game, a series or a game that they had to have because it came because at the end of the season, if they had the same record, it had to come down a tiebreaker. Or a game they had to have because a team ahead of them lost or a team ahead of them won and they had to keep pace. Like the Cardinals, like the Braves, like the Mets. Like Seattle battling Toronto and Tampa Bay and Baltimore at one point. Cleveland, when they were fighting tooth and nail with the Twins. The Yankees trying to keep trying to stay ahead of Toronto and Tampa when their season was in the toilet back in August. I didn't see that at all, not one time this season from the from the Los Angeles Dodgers. Not one time. And then you sit up there. In game four of the NLDS, and Dave Roberts has the nerve, the chutzpah, the temerity, the audacity, and the unmitigated goal and the sheer stupidity to take Tyler Anderson out of the game on Saturday night where he's thrown 70-something pitches, five innings, two hits, Six strikeouts, only walked two batters, or excuse me, walked two batters, but was pitching five innings of two-hit, six-strikeout, shutout baseball. And he runs to his bullpen, to his god-awful, average-at-best, putting it kindly, bullpen, and comes in. The Padres have a huge sigh of relief, like the Dodgers did when when Kevin Cash ran out and pulled Blake Snow when he was mowing the Dodgers down. And, the, and, the, and Kevin Cash took Snow out of the game, what happened? Dodgers huge sigh of relief. Their bats wake up, boop and a blast. Next thing you know, they're World Series champions. Anderson's mowing the Padres down. They can't hit worth. They can't hit worth the crap. Rain delay, whole nine yards. What happens? Sigh of relief. Their bats wake up. No game five in L.A. Next day. 
No, they're hopping on plane, not to Los Angeles. They stay home to host the Philadelphia Phillies in the National League Championship Series. And I could care less about what some stupid data sheet says over some, well, third time through the order, third time through the order, uh, your chances of getting X player out is at this certain percentage. Uh, if the wind is blowing from the east to the west at five miles an hour and you throw a 12 to 6 uh, curveball with, uh, with a certain break on it and, uh, and the RPM is just a tad over, I am not interested in that. I am not interested. I could care freaking less. Okay, the bottom line is in a playoff game, game four, elimination game against your arch, not arch, but against your division rival who, who you've done nothing but kick their ass up and down the field for years. In a best-of-five playoff series and elimination game, we do not need, I don't need watching 3,000 miles away, and a Dodger fan doesn't need Dave Roberts running out to his bullpen. Yeah, let's go and take t and take the ball out of Tyler Anderson's hand to go to his god-awful bullpen, which, which the Padres had, had many of success against in this short series. Take him out of the game, and next thing you know, it's good morning, good afternoon, good night, one, two, three, Cancun for the 2022 Los Angeles Dodgers. That you can you I, I don't I don't care what the analytics say, I don't care what the numbers say, to hell with the third time through the order. I'm not interested. I'm not interested in I'm not I I, I could care less. I'm not interested in Chris Martin's stats against the against the against the uh, Padre lineup. I could care freaking less. It is about the eye test. It is about watching the game with your eyes, going with the feel, getting an understanding of the ebb and flow of the game, managing the game based on what you're seeing, and then making your decisions in the aftermath of what you see going on live in front of you, and not. Managing a game, manipulating your bullpen and your pitching staff based off a bunch of Excel sheets, what the data tells you, math equations, uh, adv advanced overcomplicated statistics. No! This is not a TV show. This is not a movie. I understand it's Los Angeles, Hollywood. This is not a movie. It's not a TV show. You do not script these games like you're, like it's television. Okay, this is live as it's happening in front of you. You go off, you make your decisions based on what is going on when you're standing there watching it in the dugout with your own eyes. Not what the analytics say, not what the assistant GM upstairs tells you. No! Not whatever stats you're looking at on, on your iPad. No! When Anderson is mowing down the Padres and they don't have a clue, you leave him in the game. Period. You do not manage games in October the way you manage games in May. How many times do I have to keep on going through this with you, Dave Roberts?
No, Marlon Marlon Humphrey tweeted after the Ravens debacle uh, with the uh, when they lost to the Giants, which we'll get to after 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 the segment. He tweeted out Albert Einstein, what he say, and Sandy's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Well, maybe Marlon Humphrey ought to ought to send that tweet to Dave Roberts so he can so he when he wakes up in the morning he can and when he puts his clothes on and we go to his bath goes to the bathroom to brush his teeth he can read that sentence ad infinitum until he's blue in the face. That and and the clip of him on the Dan Patrick show back in March saying we're going to win a 2022 World Series, which I thought at the time. And I and I and and boy was I right on this, which I said at the time, and I said now was was, a, was just a, 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 a idiotic bonehead asinine thing for a manager to say. We're going to win a twenty twenty two World Series, based on what exactly? Because you signed Freddie Freeman. Bellinger can't hit. Mookie Betts was was anemic in this series. Justin Turner, I've seen enough of him. He can't hit whatsoever as well. I mean, my goodness. Will Smith, the catcher, stinks. Yeah, really? Really? I understand he had a decent regular season, but in a series, he stunk. Mookie Betts, great regular season, but in the series, he had 143. That's a leadoff hitter. Team was as flat as a flat as a pancake. No energy, no enthusiasm. Just just sat up there, lifeless in the dugout, and just took the ass whooping from a team that won how many games in the regular season? Eighty nine games. I thought they were supposed to be the ones taking it. I thought you guys, the Big Bad Blue Dodgers, were supposed to be the bullies. You've done nothing but kick their tail for the last few years. And then essentially the the tide, one way or another, shifted and it turned. And all of a sudden you guys were the little brothers getting tormented. You couldn't hit. Leaving runners on, on on leaving runners on base left and right. I mean, my goodness, a two for nine with runner hitting with runners for scoring position, leaving nine total batters on base. I mean, are you kidding me? And I got that's the only one series based on what exactly? Because because they because they have a great talented roster. Based on what? They couldn't hit, couldn't drive in, drive in guys with on, guys on base in scoring position. Their bullpen stinks. Their starting pitching's okay, and their manager's out to lunch. Predicting World Series championships, he's pulling the starting pitcher out of the game in the fifth inning. Freddie Freeman can go join his ex-Braves uh, teammates in Cancun. He can have a nice, long, and hot winter down in Cancun with his ex-Braves teammates while he was simply crying his eyeballs out back in the summertime because he realized how much he missed them. Well, you, you look, you went through all that machinations, all that drama, and took your teammates, your coaches, Dave, 
the the the, the Dodger families through all that crap only for your season to last only four hours longer than your ex-teammates. So you can sit up here and cry on your shoulder, cry me a river, and listen to Justin Timberlake to the damn cows come home down in Cancun. Have yourself a nice turkey dinner for Thanksgiving. Open up Christmas presents underneath the, underneath the tree come December. You can go join your team in Cancun, Freddie. Say hi to Snitker. Shane's pleasant streets with uh, with Dansby Swatson. Have a good, nice old time. Big kumbaya in the offseason because both your asses are out. It's a Phillies and Padres National League Championship Series to the National Football League right after this. Down to the National Football League, and yes, there was another weekend in week six of the National Football League to get into and to uh, recap here for you. Uh, we will begin with the Baltimore Ravens and yet another double digit fourth quarter collapse with the New York, or excuse me, this time against the New York Football Giants as they took care of business and won a game that they had no business winning. But listen. This year's New York football giants are finding ways to win rather than finding ways to lose. They took care of business, beating the Rams by a final score of 24 to uh, 20. A couple things I take away from this. I'll do the Giants. Uh, I'll, do the, uh, I'll do the Giants first, and I'll give you my Raven points second. First off, this New York Giant football team is something special and something to behold. 
And it goes to show you that in this day and age of talent and, and roster talent and assessment of, t- of, of, of players and what player is better than this player and, and you know, what skill set, who's play, what player skill sets better than this, than this other player's skill set. And, 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 and at least with the NBA with player empowerment and everything, it goes to show you with this Giants team that coaching matters coaching Matt and you and you saw the NBA Udoka Steve Kerr went to the NBA finals tremendous coaches their their players have say their players have power but when it comes to X's and O's and 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 game planning and doing what it takes and crafting out a game plan to you know to win basketball games though the the players let the coaches do their job and let them do their work Unlike situations with the Nets and other situations going on with the NBA, and I say that happens in the NFL, I'm just using it as an example. Coach, it doesn't matter the superstars you have. It it doesn't matter the superstars that you have on the team. It doesn't matter how great your quarterback is, how great your wide receiver room, your running backs, your tight ends, your O line, your defensive line, your your pass rushers, your your your, your linebackers. Second means nothing if you don't have solid top tier level coaching. And what you have seen with the New York Football Giants this season is the is 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 the immense difference of having a top tier, respectable, likable, and 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 and, and competent head coach. Something that they did not have with Pat Shermer. Something they did not have with Ben McAdoo. Something that they obviously did not have with Joe Judge. They, the Giants, have a head coach who is going to take them places if they go up, if they continue to go about their business, not just with the games during the season, but in the off season with assessing of talent through the draft and free agency. They are going to be on back on the up and up, in, in a good while if they if they stay the course. They need a they need a quarterback. They they need quarterback and they need some offense. They need a quarterback. They need some offensive talent and they need to continue to kind of you know build the offensive line and get the defense a little bit better. Once they do that, the New York Football Giants are going to be uh, a force to be reckoned with out of the NFC East for a long, long time. And it begins with the head coach. This is not roster-wise a great New York football Giants football team going off a straight roster. They have one of the worst wide receiving room wide receiver rooms in the sport. They have one of the worst wide receiver rooms in the sport, and their quarterback is a turnover machine who at best could be a Ryan Tannehill in, the, in, in in this league. But he's not a franchise quarterback. He's not a Super Bowl caliber winning quarterback. He's not a Super Bowl contending quarterback. So they have so he has nobody to throw to. The quarterback is not going to be the long term answer. And they got many a hole and they got many a holes on the other side of the football. Saquon Barkley may not be here to stay. And they're of course a rebuilding the defense. But yet none of that matters because the New York football giants are five and one. They are five and one, and they have beaten some teams. And if you would have told me when the schedule came out back in May that they beat these teams, I would have had you drug tested immediately and would have suggested that you donate your brain to science when you die. Beating the Packers, albeit neutral site, beating the Packers, 
the Ravens in back-to-back weeks, the Tennessee Titans in week one last year's AFC, last year's uh, best team record-wise in the AFC in the regular season, AFC South Division champion. I mean, my goodness gracious, this team. Brian Dable's done a sensational job, and it also goes to show what uh, what the not what not just head coach as far as discipline and cleaning up penalties and holding each other accountable and all all, all the all the regular X's and O's stuff when it comes you know when it comes to coaching, but but there's also a sense of belief with this team. They believe they can beat anybody in the National Football League. They and 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 for starters, they kind of have proved it. I understand there's that there's issues with the Titans and issues with the and issues with the Ravens and issues with the Packers, obviously, which we'll get to later. But they that they have a mindset that they can go into any game that they play that's on their schedule and they can see themselves making the plays that need to be made to give themselves a chance. And they can, and then in turn, they can see themselves when the clock hits triple zeros within, at the end of the fourth quarter, have seeing themselves come out on the winning end of it. And that's something that needs to be commended with this team. They believe in them. They believe in themselves as far as what they themselves, the certain you know, what Daniel Jones believes in his own ability. Saquon Barkley believes in his own ability. Thibodeau believes in his own ability. They not only they believe in what they themselves can do out there on the field every single Sunday. They believe in each other. They believe what their teammates around them can do. One through fifty, they believe in themselves and they believe in each other. They they believe in how good of a football player they are and that the teammates are. They can believe they believe that when they go out there on the field, they execute the week's game plan. They study film. They bust their ass during practice. They have a positive energy and a positive mindset within the facility and amongst each other. They can go out there. Doesn't matter if they're playing the Ravens, the Titans, the Packers, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Eagles. Who they've yet to play. Doesn't matter. They can go out there and they can give them. A, win, a, 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 a a valiant effort trying to get a win. And five times this season, their effort, they're seeing the fruits of their effort. They're, they are a well-coached football team. And it is not even up for freaking debate that Brian Dayball is, through the first six weeks of the season, the leading candidate for coach of the year in the NFL. And the Giants have put themselves in a situation. And I am about to say something that at the beginning of the season, I never thought I would have said. The Giants are putting themselves in a situation because of the fact that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the the Bay Buccaneers, the Green Bay Packers can't get out of their own damn way. The Rams can't get out of their own, the Rams and the 49ers can't get out of their own damn way in the NFC West. They are putting themselves in a situation where they control their own destiny if we dare we talk about them being a playoff contender. They play the Jaguars, the Seahawks, the Texans, the Lions. Their next four games. Who doesn't think they can at least go 
three and one, or at worst, split two and two. If they split two and two, that makes them what? Seven and three? If they go three and one, that's what? Eight and two? If they win all four, they're sitting at nine and one. And I'm not trying to make this team out to be the 86 Giants and the 90 Giants and make Daniel. I understand this. They're not winning the Super Bowl. But there is an opportunity for the Giants to rack up a ton of wins before we before they before they play the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. They could legit walk into Thanksgiving at Dallas against the Cowboys in a rematch and walk into that game being eight and two. Do I have it right? It'd be six, seven, eight, nine. Nine nine and nine nine and one, eight and two, or seven and three, or even six and four. And have something on the table when they walk into Dallas on Thanksgiving. There's a good chance of that happening. And they got divisional games from Thanksgiving through December 18th. They got a difficult schedule. They got they got two against Washington, but it's a divisional game. So the back end of their schedule is dicey. Indianapolis, the, the Eagles last week of the season, the Eagles tw- they got the Eagles twice uh, in the back end of the season. They got the Colts, they which which, you know, they should be playing for a playoff spot still at that point on uh, on the once the new year rolls around and the Vikings but they've but they've done a sensational job Brian Dayball and the crew give them tremendous tremendous credit now on the flip side the Baltimore Ravens have a issue that begins with the head coach how many double digit leads is this team going to blow this season? And that is a legit, honest, non trolling question from a Bengals fan asking it. This this is not Jai Shields, the the Bengals fan saying this. This is Jai Shields, the object podcaster, saying this. And no, the Ravens' problems are not going to be solved by bringing in a thirty five year old. Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson does not begin to address and does not solve under any circumstances the the underlying issues with this Baltimore Ravens team this year. They've blown double-digit leads to the Dolphins. They've blown double-digit leads to the Bills. They've blown a double-digit lead to the New York football Giants. This Ravens team should be 6-0 and and running away with the AFC North. The Browns stink. The Steelers are just as... Uh, the Steelers are, 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 are worse. The Bengals can't get out of their own damn way. The Ravens should be running away with the AFC North at 6-0. and 
Instead, they're three and three and are giving a Bengals team with a easy schedule coming up heading into their week ten bye and giving them a legit chance to steal the AFC North from them when the Ravens and them have the same record at three and three and the Ravens are only in first place by virtue of the tiebreaker and them beating us back last week on Sunday night. What in the world's going on with this team? I I I I, I mean I don't understand. What in the world was first of all with 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 with, with Greg Roman? Did you did you expect to run the same plays that Martindale saw ad infinitum for years? Did you expect to run the same similar regular old Ravens offense? Going up against Wink Martindale, who knows the Raven offense and knows how to game plan against Lamar Jackson, like 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 it's written on the back of his hand. I mean, early in the game, I mean, I see a read option on third and eight. You got the ball at the Giants' thirty-six yard line. A read option on third and eight, really? I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just bad. This, you're right. I mean, get creative. Get creative. Throw wink something he's never seen before. Just the same copy paste Pollyanna Ravens offense going against defensive coordinator. And I'm not saying change the whole identity of your football team, but for the love of all that, it's holy. Throw throw a wrinkle into their game plan. Throw throw wink something that he hadn't seen before. The same old Pollyanna, regular old Raven offense going up against a coordinator that 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 practiced against it for years. I mean, are you kidding me? And the worst thing about that read option play, well, John, why are you bringing it up? I bring it up because read option didn't work. Jackson got tackled for a loss. It took the Ravens out of field goal range and they had to punt. And the Ravens, many of offense possessions, they were in prime opportunities to put some points on the board. Their drive stalled. They either turned over the football, they were forced to punt, or they had to kick a field goal when they should have had touchdowns. Let us continue. Another thing that also, that, and I'll get back to Harbaugh in a minute. Another thing I got to get to, and, and, and I, I got to be fair. Lamar Jackson played like crap on Sunday. He was not great in the in the Bengal game the week before. Had a great drive at the end, but wasn't great. And on Saturday, or excuse me, on Sunday against the, against against the Giants, he was deplorable. I mean, Lamar Jackson can talk about betting on himself to the cows come home and taking a chance and taking a gamble and essentially trying to, you know, be this year's be the NFL's version of uh, of Aaron Judge and bet on himself and have a historic season. Well, yes, he's still he's top 5 in rush what is it? rushing yards and passing touchdowns. That's all great fine and dandy whatever. And he's had and he's put together some decent some some not decent but some impressive performances so far in the young season. But it's a what have you done for me lately business. And what I saw from Lamar Jackson on Sunday was he made many a bad throws. 
and I'll document him to you right here. Okay, he missed a wide open Kenyon Drake on a wheel pattern, third and 16, 31 seconds to go in the first quarter. Ravens had a punt. You get you get the ball to Drake, maybe make something happen you don't know, but that's a, a wide open throw. I throw he's got to not have to have, but it's a bad throw that he missed. Uh, uh, but the the one the one that I um that I found to be the one that I found to be very concerning is that he overthrew Mark Andrews who ran a perfect route. He throws the ball in Andrews and it lands in Andrews's bread basket. He has a touchdown. That was at with ten forty nine to go in the second quarter. He over he overthrows him. Uh he overthrew Devin Duvernay, although that was more about defensive coverage, but he overthrew Duvernay back in the end zone. Second and ten, one fifty three to go in the in the in the second quarter. He uh and and the ball's gotta be sooner to Isaiah likely run across the field on a on, on a slant drag pattern. Ball's gotta be there soon. As soon as he reached across the field and he looks for the ball, he sticks his hands out. That ball's gotta be out of Lamar's hand. It's gotta be to him. Bam, right there for him to make the catch, make his way towards the end zone. Instead, he waits, he waits, he waits, he waits, waits, waits till he gets to the far left and far left side of the end zone. Over or miss throws him. Ball incomplete. Ravens had to settle for a field goal. That was early. That was not with 944 to go in the third quarter on a third and goal. Many of bad throws. 17 of 32, 210 passing yards, one touchdown. Uh, I get to the interception here. I get to the interception here in a minute and his fumble. Uh, if you want to find any bright spots out of this game, it was at Kenya Drake. Kenyon Drake ran the ball football tremendously. Ten carries, a buck, nineteen on the ground, a touchdown run. It's a, a tremendous afternoon for him. Uh, Mark Andrews, the Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews connection is uh, is it's not Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, but it's but it it's not Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and it's not uh, Brady to Gronk, but it's a damn good wide receiver or excuse me quarterback to tight end combination to uh, to say to uh, to say the least. A uh, sensational afternoon for Mark Andrews. Seven receptions, 106 yards. Touchdown catch on uh, touchdown catch on ele- on ele- on 11 targets. But Lamar Jackson had. A, he's, I pointed out the few bad throws he had. Th- the few bad, th- not the few, but the bad throws he had on the afternoon, and uh, and, a, and and the majority of the bad throws he he, he took the he uh, of course the read option play took the Ravens out of field goal range, and a few bad throws he left touchdowns on the board, and the Ravens had to settle for field goals. You can't have you can't have that. You can't ask for you know Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes type money and miss the and miss the wide open throws that that Lamar had in the game, and he and he let, and he let him piss that and he. And he pissed the opportunity down his leg not to mention and we mentioned it last week he missed many a wide open uh should have been a guaranteed touchdowns in the Bengal game where if a couple of those passes are caught Lamar Jackson puts those uh, puts a few of them on target the Ravens win the game by 14 by 14 17 21 points instead he misses them Ravens drive stall out in field goals and punts and they and they, and they only won the game by a game winning field goal on Sunday against the Jets, they were not they were not so fortunate. And Lamar Jackson, you know, he's got to do a better job protecting the football. I mean, what in the world he, on on the on the bad snap on third and six with three oh three to go in the fourth quarter? Lamar Jackson, you got to swallow your pride, bite the bullet, ego check. Not always try to play hero ball because more times than not, when you play hero ball, it always and more times than not, it comes back to bite you in the ass. Can't play hero ball. Bad snap. 
You take you t you take you take the you you concede the play. You take you take the defeat. You won't you you take the defeat. You take the the miscue. You either fall you either fall on it and get touched down. So so the clock is still continuing to move. Make the Giants maybe use a timeout or so. Or you or you take or you or you or you or you eat the play. You run around and you, and you make sure that you find a receiver in an area so so you can throw it in that general vicinity of where they're standing on the field and you chuck it into the fifth throw you throw it out of bounds you do not in any circumstances take the ball run around in circles all over the place and then try to force a pass that has zero chance of being completed the pat record your 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 short your short husky 300 pound fullback standing there standing there not moving like a like a statue while while julian uh love is is reading is is, is covering the play reading lamar's eyes and arm like a book Picks off the play, gets the ball into the into Giants into Giants territory, and allows and allows the Giants an opportunity to go to go out in front and, and to to go out in front and win the game. I mean, you can that 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 cannot happen under any circumstances. That that was a not bad. That was a horrendous, embarrassing throw and mistake by Lamar Jackson. That's in that situation, you recover the bot snap, you fall on it. Well, you pick it up and you throw it into the fifth row. You do not try to you do not try to make a play or force a or, or you do not try to make a play or force a pass when there's no play to be made and 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 and, and trying to and try to you know right your wrong right your mistake and try to play hero ball. No, you swallow your pride, bite the bullet, and you, and you take your lumps and you move on to fourth down. Have an opportunity for for your punter to pin you to pin the Giants back deep. Instead, he tries to play hero ball, force a pass that has zero chance of being completed to Pat Ricard. George, uh, Julian Love reads it like a book, picks it off, and essentially that was the beginning of the end for the uh, for the uh, you know for the for the, for the Ravens and their chances of winning that football game. Stupid ass defensive pass interference penalty by Peters hooking the player. It was I thought initially it wasn't pass interference. I saw the uh, the 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 uh, goalpost camera view of it. Hooks him right on the inside of the jersey. Bad play cannot happen under any circumstances. Just undisciplined bad football. Uh, not to mention the uh, the illegal formation penalty, which which uh, which which uh, which which hurt the Ravens also in the in in one of their late drives in the sequence of the game, and then the and then the fumble, and then and then the fumble which was the coup, which was the which was the coup de gras. When the pockets collapse in Lamar, you cannot ha you cannot carry the football loose and away from your body, looking like you're still going to try to make the pass and try to make the play downfield. When the pocket is collapsing in front, you know, around you, and you hear players breathing in your ear, and you could, and your, and your instincts, and your, uh, and your, and your, I guess, nervous system kind of kicks in, and you start to like, and you start to brace yourself for being hit, and you start to feel and anticipate con physical contacts going to be made towards you. You do yourself no favors holding the football out in the open like that, away from your body, allowing an opportunity for a defensive player to come by and just sla slap your arm, slap your hand, and whack the football out of it. No, when a pocket collapses, you gotta. If you still plan on throwing the football, fine, but that ball's but that ball's got to be close to your body, close to your chest, and if not, be be. 
you know, tuck it in high and tight like you taught. Tuck it in, have it in your have it in your arm, and at least while you're trying to get away from the pressure, you tuck it and you try to and you move around with the football tight securely like like it like it's like it's a newborn baby tightly to your tightly to your upper chest. You don't sit there and try to hold it, hold it, hold it, trying to make something happen, avoiding the sack where there's a bunch of giants scratching and clawing trying to get the football out of your hands. Two turnovers in the last three minutes for the Ravens. That is completely, completely unacceptable. I mean, for and if, I mean, and the and the um, not and the I'm trying to see if I can trying to find the penalty on the illegal formation on the third and one, which led to the interception on that drive. I mean, we, we on a legal formation. Third and one takes it would have been a shoot. Reyes probably would have gotten the third and one. They probably would have put the game away. Got in the Tucker field goal range. Probably would have won the game. Instead, legal formation moves the Ravens back five yards. Bad snap, and the and the game from from essentially that point forward went to hell for Baltimore. But that's coaching, man. That that's a if if you're if you're Harbaugh, I don't understand how you how you I don't understand Harbaugh. I I do not get it. I don't get it. The illegal formation, the illegal formation penalties, the penalty on Marcus Peters, which negated what would, would have been a game ceiling interception at the end, and at the in the end zone. I don't get it. Double digit leads against Miami, Buffalo, and the Giants, and they squandered all three of them away. Bad play calling, just undisciplined, stupid football, the penalties, not good enough. Lamar Jackson, ill-advised throws, not protecting, taking care of the football. Once a big catch extension, bend on yourself. Playing like his last two games have not have not uh, showed, has not done a good job of showing teams, hey, I want you to pay me uh, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes type money. Not after the last two games, no. Really, not even after the last three. It wasn't, it wasn't very good in the Buffalo game either. Last three games, a lot left to be desired for Lamar Jackson in the uh, in the bottom in the bottom of Ravens as they fall to three and three on the season. Uh, the the uh, the New York Jets. Speaking of New York teams, upsetting the Green Bay Packers by the final score of twenty-seven to ten. This is a team that you know with the with the Giants, it's a surprise. With with the Giants is a surprise, but with the Jets, it's a matter of just their of their young talent finally coming together and starting to see the fruits of their labor and their pain for all you know for all these years. Zach Wilson didn't play didn't wasn't fantastic, but he didn't have to be. Ten of eighteen, hundred and ten passing yards. Didn't throw an interception. They ran the ball t- tremendously well. Hauled twenty carries, one hundred and sixteen yards on the ground, and the defense just went out there and hunted. I mean, and they made lives a living hell for the Green Bay Packers offense. I mean, and 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 give Robert Sala tons of credit. Sauce Gardner's turned out to be one of the game's best young cornerbacks in the National Football League. A sensational uh, start to the season that he and a sensational start of the season uh, that he has that uh, that he has had, uh, and and the Jets are foreign too. As crazy as that sounds, the Jets are foreign too. 
and they're undefeated on the road as well, which is which is also hard, which is also uh, a, a nice accomplishment in and of itself as well. Uh, and as but as for the but as for the Green Bay Packers, it's 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 time to start worrying about them. First off, the defense would would concern me. Okay, they did not. They were they back to back games. They have been very they have been very underwhelming and and uh, and and quite and uh, and uh, bad for lack of a better word against the run against the Jets on Sunday and in the Giants the week before, in which a game in which uh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, ran for a productive 70 yards, and the Giants and the team ran for a buck 25 on the ground. Um, I, I'd worry about the about the Packers defense. Back-to-back games, they've given up 27 points. The uh, it's just this is not. They were okay in their overtime win against New England, not great. Um, but I, I I thought I you know this looked like it was going to be a top tier defense after the first three weeks of the season, and in the last three weeks they've given up twenty four points and twenty seven back to back. I mean I thought this Green Packers defense was supposed to be something. Looks like it's about to be overrated, or it's not about to be, but it looks overrated. We'll see if they can uh, change the ship as they head into Washington on Sunday. And then what? But then what? What could be a maybe even bigger issue? With the Green Bay Packers, de- with the Green, then the Green Bay Packers defense is with the is with the Green Bay Packers offense, and the fact that they just can't get anything going. They can't run the football. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon combined for 19 carries. Dillon was the leading rusher, 10 carries, 41 yards on the ground. Jones nine carries for only 19 yards on the ground. They're wide, they have no connection, no synergy, no chemistry with Rodgers and his young wide receivers. I mean, whether Aaron Rodgers said that they maybe need to simplify some things, who knows? It's just they 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 scored zero. They 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 didn't score any points uh, offensively. They didn't score any points offensively uh, in the second half against the Giants. It's just they scored only seven points, and they scored only seven points in the second half against the uh, the second half against the uh, against against the, against the Jets. So it's I I I don't I do not I don't get it, I do not do not do I don't I do, I don't get it, I don't get it. They scored only one, only scored only one second half touchdown against the Jets. Were held scoreless in the second half against the Giants last week. Young wide receiver talent. They don't run the football well enough, and they don't run it enough, in my honest opinion. Again, falling into the same trap that the Rams and the problems that they've, that's plagued them. And unlike the Rams, the Packers got a pretty solid one-two punch at running back, and they they then run and they ran the ball only 19 times. And Rodgers dropped back the pass 41 times, 41. Got sacked four times. Offensive line was taken to the cleaners. I got tremendous worries and issues of about this Green Bay Packers offense. I really, 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 really do. I mean, outside of you know dominating the Green Bay Packers, which they always, or excuse me, the Chicago Bears, which they've always, which they always do, find me the impressive performance from the Green Bay Packers offense yet this season. Go ahead, find find me one. You can't. They should have beat the hell out of the Patriots with a third-string quarterback. They were lucky to win that game by a field goal. They scored only 14 points against Tampa, 
and they were held to seven points week one against Minnesota. So a lot of issues live with the Green Bay Packers, uh, with the Green with the uh, Green Bay Packers offense. Um, we're moving things along with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Steelers win that game by the final score of eight of uh, twenty to eighteen. Here's a couple takeaways I have with the Bucks, but and I and I will get to Brady and I will get to their offense in a minute. But but well, uh, but similar thing with the Bucks with the defense. I mean, they got taken to the cleaners by Pax Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs two weeks ago, uh, and and this and this week they allow the Pittsburgh Steelers Kenny Pickett to look like the second coming of uh, of of Terry Bradshaw, eleven of eighteen coming off the bench, a touchdown pass, sixty seven yards, and, uh, and Chase Claypool put up a solid seven reception, ninety six yard touchdown catch receiving. Off the of seven targets, seven targets, seven receptions. I mean, if you're, I mean, the Buccaneers, they allowed the Steelers to march down the field and score. I mean, opening drive, right from the opening drive when Mitch Trubisky was in there, eleven plays, sixty-six yards, and uh, and they can and they can and they convert on a third and six, on two third and sixes, a third and eleven, and uh, uh, and a four and a fourth and one. And they go up set and they go up seven nothing. Steelers offense, right down the field, opening drive puts up seven points. And then and then Kenny Pickett comes in eight uh, comes in with Pittsburgh up a point, thirteen twelve eight plays seventy one yards marching down the field again to score a touchdown. Taken to the clears by Mahomes in Kansas City two weeks ago, and then they get rather punked. By uh, which is what the Packers were, by the way, too. Get punked by uh, Kenny Pickett, and uh, and early in the game before he left with a concussion, Mitch Trubisky. Can't happen, especially when you, especially when your offense and the same issues with Green Bay lie too. With the, now the di- different, different, you know, set of circumstances a little bit, but on the but X's and but X's and O's, it's 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 they're very similar. Defense cannot afford to have these lax games and these lax performances, you know, when their offense is still try- is, is is stuck in the mud trying to figure th- trying to figure things out, trying to figure things out. So you know, I Buccaneers defense got to get themselves in shape, and a but and a Buccaneers offense may be just as bad, if not worse. I mean, they can't run the football. They gave the ball off to Leonard Fournette 21 times. Couldn't do anything with it. 63 yards rushing on the ground. It's just, it's just bad. And you know, and you know who also deserves a lot of the blame too. You know, you know who deserves a lot of the blame too. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady is 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 to blame for this. Tom Brady has not played well this season. On the season, you go ahead and you look at his stats. Uh, Tom Brady this season has uh, he's he's Granny's completing sixty one percent of his pass, sixty one percent of his passes has over a thousand passing yards, eight touchdowns, one interceptions. But Brady's better. Brady's better than eight touchdowns. He's better than he's better than eight touchdowns. And, and 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 you go ahead and you look in his last and his and his granted he hadn't turned over the football. 
He's taking care of the football, granted, and he's still throwing the football, football with with some zip on it. But he has these games where he where he is just not on on the same page and in sync with his with with his with his wide receivers. He just isn't. Twenty five of forty, two forty three, not good enough. One touchdown pass, not good enough. Eight touchdown passes in six games. That's pedestrian for the great Tom Brady. Is not. Pedestrian. And in other games, you know, we can sit up and we can point out we didn't have Godwin, didn't have Julio Jones, he didn't have, uh, you know, he still misses Gronk, he didn't have Mike Evans. Well, he had Godwin. No, he had no Julio, but he had Godwin, he had Mike Evans. What's what's the problem now? You, had a, you were going up against a Pittsburgh Steelers team or is missing, that was missing all of their key players on defense. All of their key players. They were missing T.J. Watt. They were missing. You, I don't, I don't have to reset it for you. They were missing legit all of their elite playmakers on defense. Were battered with a battered defensive front, injured secondary. Steelers defense stinks. It's the same team that only a week ago against the Buffalo Bills. Got 38 points dropped on their head and should have, honestly, given up more. Steelers had all of their playmakers out. Pass rushers, D-linemen, secondary, you name it, had them all out. And you can only give me 18 points? Really? Really? Brady, 25-40. 243 one touchdown pass. Not good enough. Leonard Fournette. It's 21 carry 63. Not good enough. And I don't know about you, but I got an issue with Tom Brady going out there and screaming and yelling at his offensive lineman during the game on Sunday. Now I, on the surface and in general, don't have prop, don't have an issue with Brady, nor have had an issue with Brady getting after his teammates, yelling at him, screaming at him, getting his shouting matches, throwing Microsoft. That stuff doesn't bother me. That's the way he is. That's the way he's wired. You don't like it? Tough. You have to live with it. But in the nature of. But the nature and circumstances of him yelling at it, I didn't like that one bit. Because if you're Tom Brady, who for over 20 years has made it his calling card and has built his personality and has and has provided the perception that he is no iron team, we before me. Team, 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 team. It's about all of us, not one individual player. He's, he's, he, that, that's, that's been his nature. He's never been that me, myself, and I individualistic type of player throughout his career. You know, whether it's taking less, whether it's taking less in free agency to make sure that he's got a, a, a solid, well balanced team around him up in New England, you name it. He he's he's that that that's that's been his 
that that that's been his uh not his trademark but that's been his quota that that's that's the guy that that's the guy within the football world that we've known Tom Brady to be it's about the team and it's not about me it's about the betterment of the team and everybody else around me and everybody else being a collective soul solid polished unit and not just about one person not just about me and I understand seven Super Bowls, ten Super Bowl appearances, greatest quarterback of all time, obviously Hall of Fame. I get that. 45 years of age, I get that. But sometimes you got to bite the bullet and you got to, you know, and he said a whole lot of times too, and we've heard it and we've heard it throughout all of our lives. Whether it's from athletes, athletes, uh, celebrities, pastors, you, you've you've heard this that to be great at something it requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice. It requires missing out on things that you want to do, but you know that in order for you to achieve success in your career. It's best for you to stay behind and miss out on moments of enjoyment, moments of fun, moments of leisure. And for Tom Brady to bypass and ignore the walkthrough with Tampa prior to the Steeler game to go to Bob Kraft's wedding... And then he's going to turn around and berate his teammates on the sideline when, 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 when they aren't playing well and he's throwing incomplete passes left and right. I mean, really, Tom, this 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 is what you're doing now? This is what this this is what you're doing now. We're gonna yell out and cuss out our my our offensive line when when it, it, it's not just the offensive line that was playing bad, you weren't playing great either. Against a piss poor Pittsburgh Steelers defense that's in, that was injured to hell and back, and you're gonna go out there and cuss out and berate your teammates like that again. And on the surface, and in general, I have no problem, but the specific circumstance and timeline of which he of which when he of of when he did that, I got a problem with that. Because you can't sit up there as a lead. You lead by example. Sometimes you got to, it's not, sometimes not always about you, Rod Ron, cussing and screaming and throwing crap and yelling and shutting the top of your lung. No, sometimes it's not about what you say, it's about what you don't say and what you do instead. Lead by example. Say, you know what? We're not, you say, you know what? We're not playing well. Offenses, offense, we still got many issues. We could have just easily lost last week against against Atlanta. That, that team, Tom is going to get, is going to get his team up because we're the Super Bowl champions two years ago. Of course, the, of course, the history with Brady as a Patriot and him beating up on the Steelers. All those times throughout his career, especially at Heinz Field, Tom is going to get his team up for this game. Fans are going to be into it. I got to be prepared to make sure that me and my guys are ready to bring my A game 
for for this game coming up on Sunday against Pittsburgh. That's what Brady's got to do. I understand he loves Kraft like 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 he's a second father or grandfather to him. I'm not interested. And a, and a Tim Bay Buccaneer fan watching his team play like shit doesn't care about that. Doesn't care about the Bob Kraft Tom Brady love fest either. See, the lifelong Buck fan doesn't care. The Tampa Bay Buccaneer teammate deep down inside doesn't care either. They may laugh, smile, hee-hee on the surface, but they don't care. They're going to shine on a football game and try to keep themselves heads above water in the NFC South. And a look that Tom Brady is going to showcase is berating his offensive line when the night before, two nights before, he's up in New York City singing and, and singing Kumbaya and dancing a Sweet Caroline with Bobby Kraft, rubbing elbows with celebrities at Bob Kraft's wedding during, during, during a game day week business trip. Really, Tom? Really? See, if I... If I, to, if I was his teammates, I I would have I would have either would have addressed addressed them head on on the on the spot right then and there, or I would have said something to him in the locker room. But like Tom, 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 I get it. I play like crap. I take responsibility. But deep down, as a man, as a person, as a human being, it's 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 really tough to hear another grown man yell and yell and scream at me. You know, like 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 a like a like a father figure or like another coach, when you're when you're you know away from the team, not participating in walkthroughs, because God forbid you miss Bob Kraft getting married a second time. I mean, come on. Pay what's more, I understand forty five years of old, seven championships, and on one hand, he's kind of he's kind of earned the right to kind of. Uh, have that flexibility with a schedule, but still, just because they, just because that, just because the team makes it okay for you to do it, doesn't mean it's right for you to do it. You know, by you know, by by law, I can go out there and go joyriding with my mother's BMW. But just because by the Maryland state law I can go out and do that doesn't mean that I should. Just because you're allowed to do something doesn't mean that you should. Just because there will be no repercussions or no consequences of you doing something doesn't mean that you should do it. Attitude reflects leadership. Tom Brady's ass should have been in Pittsburgh Friday night, Saturday night, whenever night that dopey wedding was with participating in a team walkthrough. Not farting around with Bob Kraft and a bunch of celebrities at his wedding. And you know what's ironic? Someone who currently works for Bob Kraft, Bill Belichick, Patriots head coach, was invited to the wedding. Know what Bill Belichick did? Said, no, I got to stay here. Stay with the team, be with the team, prepare for Cleveland. Wish Bob Kraft the best, but I got a I got a job to take care of. The way we know how this works, I I I I'm the head coach. I got a game plan. Make sure my team's ready to take on the Cleveland Browns. 
Bill Belichick stayed behind, game planned with his team. Patriots won the game 38-15. And I'm not saying it to feed into the who needed who more, Brady or Button. I'm no, I'm not saying I'm not bringing that up because to, to to play into that stupid argument. What I'm saying is that Bill Belichick, who is just as accomplished as Tom Brady is as a coach in the National Football League, if not more, because if not more, because like Brady, Belichick has won without him too. Go back to his days as defensive coordinator with the New York Giants. So Belichick has got his his rings, has coached in his fair share of Super Bowls. I think, if I'm not mistaken off the top of my head, Belichick's coached in 12 Super Bowls and has won eight of them. Two with the Giants, six with the Patriots. Actually, it's off the top of my head. You guys can fact check it for me. But even he, going up against Cleveland, who stinks. I, I got to check my priorities. I can't sit up here and preach team this, team that, team, 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 and then hop on a jet weekend of a game and go party with Bob Kraft for five hours. Can't do it. And expect to come back and everything to be hunky-dory, peaches and cream, and for us to execute a solid game plan and go out there and win a football game. And if things go wrong, me yelling, screaming at my teammates, and, and, expect, and, 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 me, and for me to expect them to take me seriously. And not take me for a joke and for a fool and for them to have respect for me with me being in the leadership position that I'm in. So I had a problem with that. My Bengals bounced back. Homecoming game in New Orleans. Uh, a game that the Bengals had to have, obviously. Uh, if they didn't win on Sunday, they just might as well just packed it up and call it a season for 2022. Um... So they did a they did a you know sensational job fighting back you know going into halftime with a deficit first lead all game Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase Jamar Chase's best game uh, he had a his very good he had a very good game week one his this has been his best game of the season thus far and his best game since uh, putting up the putting up the numbers that he did against uh, against the um, against the uh, Saints on Sunday I hear I read them to you. Here for here in a minute. Joe Burrow also has had a sensational. He's only thrown one. Thrown a, he's thrown. A, he's only thrown one interception and ten plus touchdown passes uh, since the since his the atrocious Week One performance uh, against Pittsburgh in that loss. Burrow tw- thir- uh, Burrow was twenty eight of thirty seven, three hundred passing yards, even three touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, Chase seven receptions, one hundred and thirty two yards, receiving two touchdowns. Bengals win 30-26. Bengals defense was taken to the cleaners, uh, allowed over 228 uh, t- uh, total rushing yards in the afternoon, which was absolutely pathetic. Uh, Eli Apple getting toast and get it was getting burnt was was burnt toast on the night. Uh, unacceptable on his part. Um, but what the hell else is new? Eli Apple. I mean, he's just. He he's a he's a liability at this point. You just pray that he's just not on the field. 
uh, you know, when the Bengal, but the, the deeper and deeper you get into the season, you just pray and hope that he's not on the field or when he is on the field, it's few and far in between because he's, he's a lost cause at this point, but the Bengals, uh, defensive, uh, or excuse me, run defense was, uh, was, it was embarrassing. Alvin Kamara, uh, 19 carries 99 yards on the ground. And it's just a really collective effort by the Saints, uh, ground game. Uh, the Bengals desperately miss, desperately, desperately, desperately miss uh, DJ Reader, their nose tackle, uh, one of the big time elite interior uh, run run stoppers and run defenders in the National Football League. They miss him tremendously. Bengals defense was not great, but yet unlike unlike what unlike the Dallas game, unlike the Raven game, unlike the Pittsburgh game. When the game was hanging in the balance and the game was there to be won, or, or the game was there for Baltimore to hold on on, for excuse me, not Baltimore, and the game was there for Cincinnati to hold on and hold on and win the game, they were able to seal the deal and shut the door. Sack a uh, couple, uh, they got they got Danny Dalton in a sack and were able to get the uh, Saints off the field and shut the door for the for Bengals thirty to twenty six. Uh, victory, and if it matters, which I think it's an overrated stat based on the team's record and the fact that, and, and the fact that all three of their losses, they've you know it's been come down to the game-winning field goal that the defense has allowed. But if you want to put any merit into the stat, here it is: the Bengals still have not have still have not allowed a second-half touchdown. If you find that impressive, eat your little heart out. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the AFC, hands down, bar none. Uh, took care of business beating Kansas City and Kansas City for second straight October in a row. 24-20, a more defensive game like I anticipated. Josh Allen, 329 passing yards, three touchdowns on the afternoon. Um, uh, how about Stephon Diggs, who's having himself a sensational season. Uh, Gabriel Davis caught a touchdown. What else is new? He's just he's a sensational talent as well. One-two punch, Buffalo Bills wide receivers. Diggs, 10 receptions, 148 yards receiving. Uh, caught a touchdown pass. Dawson Knox caught the uh, go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter. Turned out to be the game winner. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster had, a, had his best game as the Kansas City Chief. Five receptions, 130 yards, and a touchdown catch. Travis Kelsey as well, eight receptions, a uh, buck eight receiving on the ground. Chiefs still can't run the ball worth the crap. 18 combined carries, uh, 68 yards on the ground with Claude Edwards-Alaire, their leading rusher, nine carries, 30 Three yards. Mahomes throwing football forty times. Three thirty-eight. Two touchdown passes. Two interceptions. One of them was a bit was a horrendous pass. Red zone interception uh, during the during the uh, during Kansas City's opening drive. Um, I did not like a, did not like a couple of decisions by McDermott going forward on fourth on uh, on fourth down. Uh, take your points. Uh, we scre- we scream this ad infinitum. Uh, take your damn points. And a couple of decisions by McD- by McDermott in the game was awfully puzzling, and then uh, and then this is why you bring in Von Miller, although he didn't make although he didn't uh, sack uh, Patrick Mahomes, and it will not go down officially in, on the stat sheet. Uh, but him, but him getting after Mahomes and making him sweat a little bit and getting it in his face, thus making the uh, the linebacker spy that Buffalo had shift down into Mahomes' sight of uh, into Mahomes' uh, sight sight path, forced the interception, uh, the 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 uh, the uh, game ending interception to uh, Buffalo's um, to Buffalo's uh, John to uh, Johnson. 
and get to uh, put the game on ice and Buffalo was able to run out the clock and that is all she wrote. That just goes to make the difference of why you bring in Vaughn Miller negotiated, a, or excuse me, not negotiated, what the hell am I talking about? Uh, Oregon got after Mahomes, then, you know, Chiefs offensive line kept him away from him, but he did just enough on that play, you go ahead and you look at it, got in his face, made him sweat, made him move out the pocket, the spy follows follows wherever Mahomes, go, wherever Mahomes went, he went, followed him the whole way through, through an interception, bad pass by Mahomes. You won't see him make that mistake many times in his NFL career. And the Buffalo Bills win the game 24-20 in a, a game that could end up deciding who gets number one seed in the AFC when it's all said and done. Um, the Eagles also remain undefeated. The Eagles beat the beat the Cowboys 26 uh, 17. Like I said, going into this game, and I will still say it again, Eagles, their their inability to close out games and put and go for the jugular and go for the coup de gras when they first have the opportunity would concern me. They had debt. They were up uh, 20 to 17. We looked like that game was going to be a complete runaway heading into the half, 20 to three, and they allowed Dallas to come back and score 14 unanswered points and to go up and to go up uh, and to and to to narrow their lead to 2017. But the Eagles found a way to win the game. They got the best secondary in all of football. Uh, I mean, from Darius Slay, who's an All-Pro, just a sensational job that secondary did. Uh, shut down Dallas Cowboy offensive attack, uh, and Cooper Rush turned into a pumpkin. You know they the the key to success, uh, the key uh, to the key to, the key to success for the Cowboys heading into this game, or excuse me, for the Eagles heading into this game, was could they is would they make Cooper Rush win win the game for him? Not their defense, not Micah Parsons. Would could they make Cooper Rush? Win the game when the ball was in his court. When he had a when he had a drive down the field, put the Cowboys in a situation to put to get the, put the ball in the end zone and to tie the game or take the lead. With the ball in Cooper Rush's hands, could he get the job done? The answer was no. Eighteen and thirty-eight, three interceptions, one hundred eighty-one yards passing and a touchdown. Cooper Rush looks like his uh, honeymoon has come to a close. All eyes looking towards Dak Prescott. Uh, and uh, returning back for Dallas in their game coming up against Detroit. Jalen Hurts, 15-25, 155 yards passing and, it's, and two touchdowns on the afternoon, or excuse me, on the night for him. And then lastly, another primetime debacle from the Denver Broncos. I mean, oh my goodness gracious. Russell Wilson stinks. Russell Wilson stinks. Russell Wilson is washed. Russell Wilson is overpaid. And Russell Wilson ought to give back the 200 plus million dollars that he signed to earlier at the beginning of the season. 15 total yards of passing in the second half and in overtime. In three quarters, Russell Wilson threw for 15 yards. For 15 yards. I am... There are so many things wrong with the Denver Broncos, I don't even know where to begin. The head coach stinks and has to go. Nathaniel Hackett 
has no clue. His play calling is, is horrendous. They can't run the football. Melvin Gordon, who should have never been on the roster at the beginning of the season, is still on the roster, inexplicably gets taken out of the game for reasons none of us will ever probably know or understand, nor fathom. They can't run the football. They one of the best running. They had one of the best rushing attacks in the National Football League last season. They've completely abandoned that, and it's let Russ cook. And Russ is cooked. And Russ is cooking Nyquil chicken behind center for the Denver Broncos. Fifteen to twenty. He went ten for ten. Started game ten for ten. And for the rest of the game was absolutely pathetic, embarrassing, and disgusting to watch play. 15 of 28, 188 passing yards, one touchdown pass, got sacked four times, and one of the four sacks he took, he had a wide open first down right in front of him, and for that reason, he held on to the ball and took the sack. QBR of 34, the Broncos are winless on the road this season. They are 2-4 and four and an absolute disgrace and an eyesore of an offense to watch. Their receiving core is substandard. The quarterback looks like that they're better, that they're, that they're prime is in Seattle and did not travel with them to Denver. And a head coach is in and over his head and has no idea what the hell he's doing. And then you look on the Chargers side of things, it's more of the same idiocy with Brandon Staley. Going for it, I mean, he had a play, and I wrote it down, i read to you right here. I mean, what in the world is Brandon Staley doing Going for it on fourth and two early in the fourth quarter, bypassing a game-tying field goal. I mean, I just, I, it's to the point with Brandon Staley where it's not even funny anymore. It's more or less infuriating. It's, inf- it's, inf- it's infuriating at this point. And I'm not even a fan of the Los Angeles Chargers. But it's, it, but it, it bothers me. Watching this man make stupid decision after stupid decision after stupid decision after stupid decision. Like, moron, do you not know what the French toast definition of insanity is? Doing the same damn thing over and over again, expecting different results. He couldn't, he could not manage, he didn't manage his timeouts properly at the end of regulation. A just a com you know what that was last night? That was a tutorial on how not to head coach a game in the National Football League. That was head coaching for dummies on Monday Night Football last night. That was how not to coach a football team. How not to coach a football game. Two of the biggest head coaching stooges in the league, and Nathaniel Hackett and Brandon Staley. And us poor bastards on the East Coast stayed up till 11.30 at night watching that trash. I mean, yuck. Where is my vomit bag? The Broncos stink. Their offense stinks. The Chargers... 
in their past would have lost this game 90 million different times. But they were lucky because they played a team that somehow, some way, is 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 poor is 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 poor is more poorly coached than they are. Is somehow more poorly coached than they are. Why in the world I thought the Denver Broncos going to make the playoffs? I don't know what the hell I was smoking. I was buying too much into the let's ride nonsense. To hell with that. This Denver Broncos team is atrocious. Another dull, boring, pathetic performance in prime time from the Denver Broncos. We'll be back to wrap up the show. The I'm CIS Podcast. To the Amatelkatayas podcast. Switching gears now to the 2022-23 NBA season. It has begun with Tuesday night being opening night uh, with the two games, Lakers and Warriors and and the uh, Celtics taking on the 76ers as we will delve into the new season here and give my NBA uh, finals predictions. Uh, what I would hope to be the NBA Finals come uh, come June, and of course we will preview the American League and National League championship uh, championship series coming up for you as the Yankees advance to the NLCS, having uh, taken care of business and winning Game Five over the Cleveland uh, Guardians earlier on uh, Tuesday. Um, I think there's a lot of things to pay attention to this NBA season. Um, I'm interested in how the, uh, I'm interested with the Clippers and seeing all of, you know, everybody coming back healthy, Paul George, Kawhi, seeing all of them come back healthy, seeing them all cohesive, you know, will the chemistry be there? Will they be, you know, will they, will it take them a while for them to get used to playing games together, uh, again, and if there isn't, and if there is problems and if there is, you know, issue of getting back into the rhythm and the floor of things again how long will that issue last uh and uh and i i just want to see those two healthy out there on the court because 
you know, I I want to see the uh, I want to see the Clippers fight and give and, and at least try, no matter how many bites after the apple. And Ty Lue is a tremendous coach. I believe my opinion, top five, top three best coaches in the NBA. I want I want to see them give. Uh, I, w- I want to see them be a factor in what's just going to be an absolute stacked Western Conference this year. Um, as far as their crosstown rival with the Lakers, it's more of the same. Why they brought back every essentially everybody and decided to run it back again? I I mean it was it was Frank Vogel the only reason why they why they didn't why they didn't make the playoffs last year? I mean it's just this is not a very good basketball team. I mean I don't know what it is to say. Anthony Davis is is is, 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 is as 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 fragile as 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 is as, as fragile as as glass. He he never plays. He's always hurt. He's always injured, dealing with lower body injuries with his legs, with his ankles, knee. It's every single time we turn around, it's something with Anthony Davis. He's 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 not durable. Then thus, when you're not durable, you're not reliable. Um, when he is reliable, when he does play, he's one of the best players in the NBA. And he and a, and he and LeBron James are a dominant force to be reckoned with. The problem is, I gotta see Anthony Davis go out, out go out there and and essentially play the entire season uninterrupted without injury. I mean, and if he goes out there and it's a oh he lands on his foot wrong, he tweaks an ankle or he pulls a hamstring, comes up lame or a calf, whatever it is, or a groin, it's just. You know, I I'm so the season shot because because for uh, for as great as LeBron James is, this is this not this is not a this is not the type of team that's going to be able to withstand and withhold you know being the LeBron James show throughout the entire 82 game of regular season over the next six months over the what the next uh, oh yeah about the next six months. They won't be able. The conference is too good. It's too good. It's too competitive, to uh, to you know for the Lakers to try to get away with, you know, puzzling and piecing together another season where it's just where it's LeBron James at the controls and it's it, where it's the LeBron James show, the Los Angeles LeBron James trying to get this team to another NBA, uh, to get this team to another NBA Finals. It's just it's it's not going to happen, especially this year because the conference is too good. Murray's back with Murray's back with the Nuggets. Him him and the uh, and MVP uh, and Nikola Jokic. Those two are going to those two are going to be a threat in the Western Conference with Denver. Um, uh, granted, you lose a team because Donovan Mitchell's is no longer with Utah, and he's with the and he switched conferences and moved to the Lake and moved to the uh, to the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. But you but you know you got the Clippers back with 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 Kawhi and Paul George. You go ahead and, you, and go, Golden State, obviously the defending champs. You uh, you also have Dal. You also have Dallas with Luca with uh, with the Dallas Mavericks. You're gonna try, you know, to, to to see if you can get back to the NBA Finals with uh, when you had the bet when they had the best record in the league in the regular season with the uh, you know with the uh, with the Phoenix Suns with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. So the conference is way too, and then not to mention Dame Dalla is back uh, with uh, my one of my favorite players in the league with the with the port with the uh, Portland Trailblazers. So it's just the conference is way too competitive. 
and it's going to be and, and, and it's and, and it's and it's filled with way too many good teams for the Lakers to basically you know grin and bear it with LeBron James, Russell Westbrook stinging up the joint, throwing Patrick Beverly, you know trying to trying to finagle their way to get into the to get into the at least a playing tournament and then make an NBA Finals a run out of that. It's just I know by the way Memphis with uh, with with uh, with John Morant. It's just and and then and then the and then the Timberwolves. With uh, with uh, Carl with uh, with uh, Carl Anthony with uh, Carl Anthony Towns, it's just it's it's just not going to work. So the only way that the that the Lakers have a chance to make it to the NBA Finals come the spring, is that everybody they got to be all in, and I'm seeing signs now in the late in the back end of the preseason that that wasn't to be the case with Westbrook kind of being you know kind of being the odd man out the outcast with the team I'm seeing evidence of of it now and the Lakers hadn't even played a game yet and I'm supposed to believe that the only issue with the team was Frank Vogel no this is a flawed roster this is a flawed basketball team talented but flawed older but flawed, older and flawed, I should say. So the only way it's going to work is that everybody is all in, all chips, middle of the table, all in. We, not me, no I in team. Westbrook stays in his role, knows his role, and plays within his role. Anthony Davis is out there on the court, gives plays seventy two, plays seventy two to eighty, seventy two to all eighty two. I understand it's not that's not. That's not possible, but the only way it works, Anthony's got to be out there seventy plus times this season, playing at playing almost practically every game, playing almost every game, healthy, good contribution. LeBron does what he does, and Patrick Beverly play that Draymond Green instigator role on defense. No attitudes, no drama, no nothing. That's the only way the Lakers are going to get to a championship. You get any drama, whether it's teammates not liking Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook, who have been notorious. Why they haven't made that trade for Patrick Beverly, I will never understand. But but it's but but in the but they have it. But there's a history between Pat Bev and and uh, Russell and Russell Westbrook. There's a history between the both between the both of them. You know whether it's drama between those two, the drama between Westbrook and 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 the rest of the Laker team, or Pat Beverly versus the rest of the Laker team, or and injuries with AD. It cannot. You gotta have a drama free. Injury less season. There cannot be any. The only thing we should be hearing about the Lakers is their play on the court. That is it. I don't want to hear about no beefs with te- amongst teammates. Anthony Davis has got to play. That's the only chance they have. Because if anything, anything pops up and it becomes a soap opera, they're done. Even if Anthony Davis misses. Two, three months, you can say goodnight. They need, and they are only going to go as far on bat, strictly X's and O's on the basketball court. They are only going to go as far as Anthony Davis takes them. That's that was their story with them last year. That's going to be the story with them this year. Simple. Simple. Nets, similar story. No, you can't, no drama. Kyrie show up the work, show up the work every day. 
I, I, no, 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 no skipping out with with birthday parties with siblings, missing missing out because of unrest happening in the streets with January six insurrections, police with no show up to work, no no vaccine foolishness, no show up to work seventy plus games. Just show up to work, put your head down, that. If that means you got to be Marshawn Lynch and just say nothing to the media, so be it. Show up to work, play basketball, go to hell home. Keep your head down, handle your business. They do that. And Steve Nash learns his lesson from getting out coast and circle by email you doke like he was in the spring, this past spring. Nets will be okay. But again, do I count on the Nets and Lakers going through a season from October to April drama-free? No, I do not. It may be all peaches and cream in the, in the beginning, but wait till we get to the meat and potatoes. In baseball, we call July and August the dog days of summer, the dog days of the season. Wait till we get to January and February, the dog days of the NBA regular, the dog days of winter, the dog days of the NBA regular season, the dog days of the NBA. Season. Let's see if things are on the up and up by 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 the time winter rolls around. But do I count on both those teams going through a drama free list season, a drama a drama free season? No, I do not. Philly, you got to prove to me, and and also with Brooklyn, Ben Simmons. All I, all I hear a whole bunch of talk, seen the tapes, Ben Simmons did this in a preseason game. He performed well in practice, hit jumpers, rebound. Not interested, okay? Let me see Ben Simmons perform like this in a regular season game of magnitude, and let me see it do it consistently. Let me see him do it often. Let me, uh, same thing with, with Kyrie. Can he show up to work? Can he show up to work? Put the work in. Play 30 plus minutes a night. Noah's role, like Westbrook, play within his role. Do it well. Play basketball. No distractions. No drama. Just do his damn job. That's it. I want opportunities. Time for him to put the ball in the basket. Can I see him do it? And can I see him do it in games of magnitude and in moments that matter? In clutch time, crunch time moments late in games. That's that's what I want to see. That's what I need to see. I could care less what he does in preseason. I am not freaking interested. Let me see him make a basket, make a shot, clutch defensive stop on defense when when in a game that the, that the Nets have to have for seeding in in March. And let me see it in in early April. Let me see it. Let me see it in a playoff game. Let me see it. Once I see it, then we can sit up here and have a, then we can throw a parade and say, you know, Ben Simmons, that the player we anticipate him as being is back. Until then, I don't want to hear a damn thing. 76ers with, uh, with um, Doc Rivers. Can Harden and Embiid. Harden and Rivers get to an NBA Finals. 
Enough talk. Ben Simmons, not an issue anymore. It's off the team. It's never coming back. Harden, the crap you pulled to get out of Houston to Brooklyn and what you did with Brooklyn. No. All of that out the window. Can you get to an NBA Finals? Can you get to an NBA Finals? Doc Rivers, enough talk. Can we get to the NBA Finals? I don't think the Celtics are going to be as nearly as good as they were last year because missing Ime Udoka is 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 they're they're gonna miss his presence in the locker room, the leadership that he brings, and and the just the X's and O's presence he has on the sidelines that he had for them last season. They're gonna miss him tremendously. Not to mention it will be an immense distraction. I'm pretty sure in every single city that they play in, they will either have to hear questions or hear murmurs or hear jokes, jeers, uh, and heckles from opposing fan bases about. What Ime Udoka did, which got him suspended for the, which got him suspended by the team for the entire uh, for the entire season, so so would it shock me if they get back to the finals? It would. Would I be upset or would I be surprised? No, because they are still a talented basketball team, the defending Eastern Conference champions, who had a lead on the Warriors. But I just I think it'd be a tall order. Having the having all the distractions with Udoka, you know, when they're opening up training camp, and then they gotta go out there and try to get themselves to an NBA championship. I I, I don't I don't like. That. I, I'll root for them though to make it back because I like the I like the players on the team. I like Tatum. I like the, but I think it's asking an awful lot. In my honest opinion, it's asking a lot. Cavs should be a fun team to watch this year. I look at them essentially as being the uh, Seattle Manners of uh, the Seattle Manners of the NBA. This the 2022 Seattle Manners of this NBA season this year. They got Donovan Mitchell. That's a young talent, good team. Made it to the playing tournament back in the spring. I anticipate the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers returning to playoff basketball sans LeBron James uh, this upcoming spring. They will be a fun team to watch uh, as, uh, as well. Um, any other team I want to uh, talk? I want to talk about Miami. We'll know they'll be you. We you will know they'll be a force to be reckoned with in the Eastern Conference. Jimmy Butler, Eric Spoelstra is a hell of a coach. Pat Riley, the Godfather, one of the best executives. As much as he is one of the greatest coaches in the history of the NBA, uh, the uh, the Heat have an opportunity. The 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 Bucks have an opportunity. They will have no Chris Middleton uh, to begin the season, dealing with a bad wrist. But he Giannis. One two punch. Reason why, if 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 the Bucks had uh, Chris Middleton uh, in their in their series against uh, against the Celtics, they probably would have. They most likely more times than not would have beat the Celtics and would have advanced to the NBA Finals. But he, best player in the world, Giannis Antetokounmpo, they are a title contender in the Eastern Conference as well to be taken seriously. Cade Cunningham, second season in the NBA with the Pistons, be intriguing to watch. Um, any, anybody else? Uh, Bulls trying to see if they can make it back to the playoffs after making it last season. Um, can the Warriors run it back, especially dealing with this drama uh, You know, to begin the season with, uh, with Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole in the face? 
and will and will we ever see the return of the great Clay Thompson or Clay Thompson's uh, best uh, best uh, days as a as a scorer and as a shooter behind him? I think not. I think that it was just last season in the playoffs, him getting, him trying to go 150% when his body would only allow him to go 105. So I think at some point in this season, we will see Clay return to pre-ACL tear, pre-Achilles tear form. Um, and Steph Curry, best one of the best players in the world, top five, top three best players in the sport. Obviously, no doubt about it. Draymond Green, my issue with him, and I haven't addressed it yet, so let me take the time to do it now, and then I'll preview the uh, two LCS series in baseball, and then we'll say goodbye. Um, Draymond Green ought to be ashamed of himself, and it really doesn't surprise me because this is the type of person that, the type, at least person on the basketball court that Draymond Green has always been, always has been, always will be. He is he is that annoying that he is that annoying, always doing the most toxic instigator. He's made he's made his living. He's built his legacy off of that. So that's so that's 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 what he is. That's and he's always the aggressor, always doing the most, always going out of his way to make his presence known, and always going out of his way to make sure that he's the biggest asshole on the court. So him punching Jordan Poole, albeit it's unacceptable. It's toxic, and if the Golden State Warriors had any balls and had any cojones, Steve Kerr, I'm talking to you, he is, he, his ass would have been canned for the first uh, two, three weeks of the season. Uh, come on. You're Golden State. You're going to be – you'll live if you don't have Draymond Green. Uh, it's just I'm sorry, okay? And you, and you can sacrifice the first three weeks of the season in in mid-late October, okay? Y'all, you guys will live. But if it's me – I'd have, I'd have send a message to him and to the and to the rest of the team. We don't tolerate that foolishness. Sat his ass for two weeks. Warriors did not a terrible job on the on 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 their part. But again, Jamon Green, first class jackass. Him punching a teammate over God knows who knows what doesn't surprise me in the slightest. He's he's a, he's a veteran in this league. Been around a long time. In his early 30s, and he still conducts himself and acts like a damn teenager when he's out there on the court. So, anything that Draymond Green does, any aspects of punching people and getting violent, hand-on-hand physical contact, it just doesn't it doesn't surprise me because that's just who that's just who Draymond Green is. It's just we just gotta just it, it just know it and 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 just see it for what it is and accept it at this point. Um, and then him, you know, talking about taking time away from the team and basically going on this, on this little, you know, releasing a video through TNT cause he has a, cause he's employed with TNT when he retired. I mean, it's a, cause he collects a check from the, making Jeremiah Green, essentially making himself out to be the victim when he co-cocked the teammate in the face with a sucker punch. <sighs> Again, and Jamal Green wonders why nobody, why people feel so strongly against them, and why people, a lot of people, in the media and amongst the NBA circle, don't like him and root for his own professional demise because he goes out there and he acts like an ass, and then he wants America's sympathy and wants and wants to uh, and wants to play the victim card. Life doesn't work that way, Draymond. It's just all there is to it. Um. My NBA Finals prediction would be I'll do Conference Finals and I'll do NBA Finals. 
Conference finals, I have in the West. I have a Warriors and... Clippers Conference Final. Warriors Clippers Western Conference Final. And in the East, Bucks and Seventy Sixers. My finals prediction. Milwaukee Bucks, Los Angeles Clippers, my NBA champion, the Milwaukee Bucks. So, a Clippers, Warriors, Conference Finals, a Bucks, 76ers Conference Finals, Bucks, Clippers, NBA Finals, Bucks, NBA Champions one more time. As for the League Championship Series in baseball, Game 1, uh, Padres, and uh, Game 1 between the Padres and the Phillies, uh, best of seven series. I think this series has potential to, be the full, to go the full seven games. Uh, I like the Phillies' offense a lot better than I like the Padres' offense. There were times uh, in the Dodgers series where the uh, where the Padres' bats completely went ice cold. Um, but uh, but I think this will be a competitive series. That you know there will there will be you know both of these two both of these two teams this season is a is a is a success and a win regardless if one of them goes to the World Series and the other one doesn't. Um, I think this will be a tough grind them out series. Uh, I think it will go to full seven games. Uh, the firepower that the that the Padres have, Soto. They got Soto and Manny Machado, and the Phillies got Hoskins and Harper and Real Muto behind the plate, and a lot of a lot of offensive firepower on both teams, and they both can can carry their can carry the load as terms of, in terms of uh, in terms of uh, starting pitching. Um, I think it will go seven games, and I think the. I think the Philadelphia Phillies will go to the World Series. Pick the Phillies to win this series in seven games. And in the American League side of things, Yankees versus Astros. Yankees beating the Guardians to advance to the uh, to advance to a third ALCS against the Astros in the last five years. Final score five to one. Um I have no problem with Josh Naylor rocking the baby with the home run try. If he wants to do the most on a base pass and rock the baby in a in a home run that only brought the the only brought the Guardians within a run or so. If he wants to act like if he wants to do the most and be extra, let him. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. If he wants to show emotion and and he doesn't care how stupid he looks in showing emotion, 
I respect your right to look like an idiot. So, there's... So I got no issues with that. I'm not the you know the old commercial get off my lawn. How dare you celebrate? How dare you show emotion? No, um, yeah, I, I can disagree with you doing. I can disagree with you or think that you doing it is immature or ill-timed or ill-advised. But if you want to sit here and act like an idiot, act like an idiot. Ain't no skin off my ass. So Naylor does the rock baby thing, and the Yankees end up winning. End up winning the game and. Uh, and get the last laugh, and and they do the little rock the baby celebration, winning game five. Stanton's three run home run in the first inning was the coup de gras right from the uh, open, right from the word go. Stanton's three run home run, and that was all she wrote uh, for the Yankees and the uh, the Yankees and the Guardians. Yankees and Astros game one of LCS on Wednesday night uh, in Houston. Third time will not be the charm for the New York Yankees. You have the Houston Astros advancing to the World Series yet again, beating the New York Yankees in five games. Astros will beat Yankees in five. Phillies will beat Padres in seven. Phillies, Astros, World Series. There you have it. Jam pack show and busy show. By the way, poll question that I've concocted via my Twitter feed, and it'll be the poll question for this episode. And I thought about it when I saw the uh, when I saw the the Braves get when I watched the Braves get bounced by the Phillies over the weekend. What's a harder feat to accomplish? Winning back to back World Series championships. Or winning back-to-back Super Bowls. The last back-to-back Super Bowl champion we had was the 03-04 Patriots, which was 18 years ago. The last back-to-back World Series champion we had, well, over 20 years ago, 22 years ago, the 99 and 2000 Yankees. Good question. Let me know your thoughts on the Amtel I can tell you is Spotify channel page. Another episode of the Amtel I can tell you is podcast is in the books. Busy show from college football to the NFL, National League Division Series with the Braves and the Phillies and the Dodgers and the Padres, ALCS, NLCS, and a little bit of NBA. Seems like we looks like we covered it all. If you like this program and are new to the program, please don't hesitate to subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. I will talk to you guys on Friday. Y'all take care. <laughs>